Welcome to the DTB podcast for October 2016, volume 54, number 10. My name's Dave Fizekli. I'm DTB's deputy editor. And I'm James Cave. Our editorial this month highlights a pilot project run by the European Medicines Agency to speed up the process for approving new medicines. Um, why, why is this an issue for us? Well, this is a, this is a general uh, worldwide move amongst a lot of the regulatory bodies to try and speed up um, the time it takes for drugs to get to market. And that seems a good thing. You know, a lot of cancer drugs coming through. There's a drive that we should be more innovative and newer drugs are going to be better. So we've got the FDA doing it through their Cures Act that's going through the USA Senate at the moment. And we've got the EMA who's piloting this so-called adaptive pathway. And currently there are about 58 um drugs going through this much, much shortened authorization process. The worry we have is that this is being done under what's called safe harbour rules. So we can't see what's going on. We've had no feedback about this. The plan is that a lot of the safety issues around these drugs will not uh, be looked at until they've received market authorization. So it'll be done sort of after the drugs are being used. And obviously we have real concerns that actually real safety issues may be missed in these modern drugs with real uh, concerns for patients uh, as a result. And it seems to be a focus on collecting data from in-use activity rather than clinical trial activity. So you're looking at observational Yes, that's right. And there's no, sometimes no harm in that. But the worry is that if you've got very niche drugs which are being targeted for very particular people, then these drugs are not being used in a random way. And therefore, there's a risk that we're going to miss some safety issues until much later. You know, doctors don't prescribe randomly and therefore you won't necessarily be able to pick up some of the issues until much later on the sort of drug's life. And perhaps a more difficult question, but is this more of a political imperative rather than a, is there a clamouring need? Have we not got systems in place at the moment where um, drugs do get approved or do get put through a, a more accelerated route already? Does this answer a need that we have? Well, we don't feel that. We feel that this is a more um, commercial issue than a drug safety or, or treatment imperative issue. So at the moment... The case still remains unproven. We, we don't think there is a pressing need for this. Exactly. And, the, and I say the difficulty we've got is that these 58 applications that are going currently through the EMA, we have no way of assessing what's going on because it's being done behind closed doors. So more openness, more discussion and perhaps slow the rate of adoption. Absolutely. Down. Real concerns here that we, we might um, let a really dangerous drug slip through the net. OK, thank you very much. Our first main article this month reviews phosphomycin, an old new antibiotic um, that's recently been launched for the management of urinary tract infections. What is it? Yeah, so this is this is a drug that was actually first marketed in France in, in 1986 and was actually discovered uh, in 1969. And although um, it's had a UK licence since 1986, it's actually never been distributed in the UK. It's a broad-spectrum antibiotic which can be used for uncomplicated lower urinary tract infections. And the evidence suggests it works? Yes, it's um, a perfectly good antibiotic. It's a, it's slightly different than a lot because you take a single three-gram sachet. That is the dose, uh, just one off. Um, and it's taken on an empty stomach just before bedtime, usually. It's been available or has been used off-label as an unlicensed imported product for many years. 
So now that we have a licensed version, is it clear where it sits within the antibiotic guidance? This is this is the slightly difficult thing because um, no doubt about it, nitrofurantoin and trimethoprim remain the first line treatment options that we should be using for UTIs. They are cheap and still relatively uh, effective. Um, trimethoprim resistance is growing. So in, in 2014, resistance rates were between 35 and 37% uh uh, of E. coli strains were resistant to trimethoprim, but these are still our t- first two line. So it's not in- clear exactly when perhaps you should reach for the phosphomycin, but it is there as, I suppose, the first new antibiotic that we have available to us in regular primary care for some time. And is it available from one manufacturer or more than one? It's one of these very complicated ones where, oddly enough, the brand is cheaper than the generic. So if you are using it, you should uh, use Monoril, the brand, rather than phosphomycin, the generic. And that's a significant price difference. Oh, significant. Um, The numbers are somewhere here. A phosphomycin sachet will cost £75.45, but the Monoril, the branded thirty. Three gram sachet will cost a mere four pounds eighty six. So if you're going to use it, prescribe the right version. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Or your prescribing advice will be down on you like a ton of bricks. But keep an eye on it because obviously prices may change. I- exactly. Okay, thank you. And our final article this month reviews point of care CRP testing in the diagnosis of pneumonia. So what's the rationale for this one? So we thought it useful to look at this because the NICE guidelines on pneumonia suggested um, that we might be considering using uh, CRP testing as a discriminator for those who should or shouldn't get antibiotics. So what NICE said in its guidelines was if you have a case of pneumonia, they clearly need treatment and there's a treatment pathway for those people. But for those other people who have got symptoms of a low respiratory tract infection in primary care, you could use a point of care CRP testing to assess if you should use antibiotics or not. And what they basically say is if it's less than 20 milligrams per litre, you don't treat. If it's over 100 milligrams per litre, you do. And if it's in between, you might consider giving delayed antibiotic prescriptions or that sort of thing. So that's the rationale behind it. There was this plan that we should be using it. So we thought we'd look at the evidence to see um, how it looked and whether it made sense. So we look at how point-of-care tests perform compared with lab tests. And they appear to be, in a laboratory-tested environment, they seem to produce similar results. Exactly, yes. So, I mean, and of course, always in these situations, there's the issue, that's fine. But six months, nine months down the road, when this machine is stuck on a side of a treatment room somewhere and perhaps has been knocked over twice and, you know, uh, there are definite issues around the maintenance of kit, making sure it's calibrated, which is something which very often studies don't look at in particular detail. So the implementation issues actually seem to be bigger than the actual rationale for using it. Absolutely. And of course, these these machines cost about £1,000 a time and each test is about £3.50 to £4. And of course, this is really difficult because course of amoxicillin is what 28p so that the the financial issues need to be addressed i think as well as making sure that these really do offer a a really a useful tool for primary care and of course at the moment you could do a crp test send it off to the local laboratory get a result and that would just be funded through the normal Yes, I mean, obviously the joy of this is that the patient's still in front of you, um, but labs very often will do give you a CRP 
check by the end of the day. So in theory, you could uh, call them back for those that were over 100. Because I think I think what struck me about the nice guidance was um, it seemed a very high threshold before giving antibiotics. I mean, it's not often in primary care that you see CRPs over 100. So overall, a, a sensible suggestion but their practical implications and implementation are likely to take some working out they are um but i think watch this space because i think there's a lot of um potential for this sort of uh improvement in our diagnostic abilities within primary care to help us tease out when treatment is effective and when it isn't okay thank you very much to read these and any of our articles please visit our website dtb.bmj.com And to comment on any of our content, please email dtbeditor at bmj.com. Thank you very much.